0: Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. The question, so important for a believer, and he really needs to stop and think about it before he's so readily answers amen, because we all know everyone likes to shout amen, regardless of how challenging or how true, how challenging the question and how true your answer may be. Oops. I know this is not going to be a shout-me-down sermon, but it's going to encourage you. I always come here to encourage you, yes? That's why you come back, right? Pastor Soto encourages us. He smacks us sometimes, but he encourages us. But it's good for every believer to ask themselves honestly. Everybody say, get with it, Pastor. Say, we get it. Do you really pray? Shh. Do you really pray? Do you really, really pray? Does anybody ever really pray anymore? I can't believe it I say that. My heart's breaking. Ha <laughs> ha. I didn't think that question was gonna be so difficult for me to ask. Because I'm afraid that you'll just simply run over the question. Oh, that's just another question. Amen. Hey, amen. Be quiet. Does anybody ever really pray anymore? When was the last time you took time to pray? To seek God in prayer. Not simply say, oh Lord, bless this meal. Amen. Or yes, I'll be praying for you and you're lying. Does anybody ever pray anymore? Some of you may be thinking, well, I spent an hour and a half, two hours... Every morning on my knees. It doesn't mean you're praying. To pray doesn't mean you have to be on your knees for eight hours. To pray doesn't mean you have to find that quiet place and spend a whole day there in the war room. There's people who don't take an hour to pray, but they pray. We've given prayer such a twist that we make it convenient to our testimonies. Oh, brother, last night we spent a whole night in prayer. But I believe in my heart today that the message of the Lord to the church is this. Do you really pray? Is that what you call praying? Have we lost sight of what prayer really is? Have we lost sight of the value of prayer? Do we as believers forget and have we failed to remember that Prayer is the only thing we have here between earth and heaven. Oh, we love to talk about heaven. We love to talk about, oh God. But yet you've never had a conversation with him at any length. I'll ask you again, and I don't want any answers. Do you pray? Or do you just mumble words quickly because it looks like as you close your eyes, and it looks like you're praying. But you're, your prayers, are the words are getting nowhere. I remember years ago, my pastor, a little small Pentecostal church where the Lord saved me, and he, because kind of like me, he was not very uh, able to tell jokes and stuff like that. He was not very comical, but he tried, as I do many times, to make you laugh. He gave us a story that made the church giggle a little bit, but still it was sobering to hear that silly joke. And he spoke of a pastor in a church, and again, this is just humor, but I think that if you go beyond humor, you may find that it may be that way in many churches today. And this particular little Pentecostal church, uh, they, they, they developed a uh, building program. You know, we're always having building programs. That's how, by the grace of God, we build this beautiful venue. We had building programs. You were generous in giving, and we invested, and we hired contractors to come and help us and bring this uh, uh, building and dream of having Rock of Ages to fruition, and so it was no difference for this Pentecostal pastor in this little Pentecostal church. But there was a real demand to his building project. You see, the the, the roof was leaking. And he said, hermanos, uh, brothers and sisters, when it rains outside, it rains inside. Look at our ceiling. It's, it's leaking. We This church inherited 25 years ago, and it was already 50 years old, and we need to raise finances to put a new roof here. And the church, it was a small church, but they were willing to give. They said, let's do it. Pastor, we'll do whatever we can to do. And so they gathered up the money they needed. And they said, oh, we have enough. We have the money we have. Now we've got a contractor. And they brought the contractor. And he said, how much? And he said, this much. Do it. We were going to get a new roof. And the church was Celebrating. And even on Sunday, they said, we're going to work straight through because rains may come or the winter may come. So if you don't mind, we'll work on Sundays. And we don't care. And they were having service. And you could hear and men walking and nailing and, and saws going. And they didn't care because they could hear construction going. The, the church was on its way. So they began to take the roof off of the church And the pastor went out there that one afternoon and and he talked to the contractor. He said, "How, how is it going? He goes, ah, muy bien, well. But then there was a somber look on his face. For the man was a Christian as well. What happened? Expecting bad news or something irreparable up there. He goes, no, pastor, I'll keep this one to myself. No, no, no. What happened? Something wrong with the building? He goes, well, okay, I'll tell you. He said, we begin to take the shingles off the old shingles off and we began to take the black paper off and then we began to cut into the old plywood and we began to pull everything off and when we began to pull everything off i noticed something up there that was strange to me and we took everything off and finally we were empty. we were standing on a roofless building and it shocked me to see a very thick blanket of prayers. And the pastor said, prayers? He said, yeah. And the moral of his teaching was simply this, that those who were praying, their prayers didn't get any further than the roof of that church. Nobody laughed just like here because it was supposed to be funny. You're supposed, the pastor was supposed to go up and say, You know what? They found oh, a whole bunch of prayers up there. <laughs> but the truth of the matter and the severity and the seriousness of that particular gesture was more important than a joke. I believe the Lord cares about Rock of Ages. I believe the Lord cares about you. I believe the Lord cares about me. And I believe, like he does with every believer and every child of his, his desire is to converse with us on a daily basis, to walk with us. He said, I will never leave you. I will always be with you all the days till the end of the age. But I'm wondering, if the Lord is here, when was the last time you said anything to him if he's walking alongside you? Have you ever walked along somebody and you don't realize, but after the long stretch, you realize you never said anything, or you're driving with somebody in the car? Happens to my wife and I a lot sometimes, Driving to me is a time to think. It's a time my mind, I air out. And I mean, after all, all I do is talk. <laughs> but have you ever driven all the way to Houston and not said a word? And I'm wondering how many of us drive with Jesus all day, all the way to Houston? All through the week. (laughs) And we don't even acknowledge the passenger. To say, hey, how are you doing? Prayer. Prayer is a lost art, ladies and gentlemen. A man said that prayer in the church today has become like those... Little boxes in the halls of schools and in the halls of important city offices and, and buildings. Those little red things, you've seen them, and they're covered in glass. And it says, break only in case of an emergency. How many know what I'm talking about? Those little fireboxes. Break only in case of an emergency. And you'll notice that in those buildings that we pass by, and we've seen this, they're seldom broken. And the reason is because there is no emergency. But you see, prayer has become as such, but prayer was never intended to be used by us just in an emergency. You'll notice that when someone is sick, oh, pray. When someone loses their job, oh, pray. When someone's going to the hospital, please pray. But I'm wondering if just hours before you found out of that diagnosis you ever prayed before, Oh, I'm not being difficult, ladies and gentlemen. Please. You can vote me out if you want. You can tell me not to come back anymore if you don't like this message. That's okay, it's still a fact. God wants us to pray. The Lord wants to talk to many of you that don't pray. He's been waiting to hear your voice. It's not only for an emergency. It's not only because you're sick. It's not only because you're in lack. It's not only because you're in trouble. It's not only because you're heartbroken. It's not only because you've lost a friend. It's not only because of this or the other or even because the pastor tells you, let us all get up and pray. It's not even for that. Those are just fringes benefits of prayer, that you can pray during an emergency, that you can pray for somebody, that you can pray with the pastor, that you can pray over this or that. Those are fringes. Those are benefits of prayer. But that's not the initial platform for which prayer was given to us. Prayer was given to us for every day. Prayer was given to us as a confirmation of God wanting a permanent and constant relationship with his people. I'll be asking you the question throughout my conversation with you this morning. Do you pray? (laughs) I encountered a story a long time ago, and I'll repeat it today. Many of you have not heard this, and maybe somebody has. But this was a a control tower official, someone who handles the airplane control towers up there. And he's the one that handles how high, how fast, how low, when the runway is clear and all these things. It tells of this one control individual, control tower individual. He gets a mayday over the phone, over this radio or whatever they speak on, and the pilot to the tower, he says, pilot to tower. He runs. Go ahead. This is flight so-and-so, and and I am captain so-and-so. Flight to tower. Go ahead. We're here. I'm 300 miles from the airport. I'm 600 feet above ground, and I'm out of fuel. I'm descending rapidly. Please advise, tower. What do I do? There's silence for a moment, and then the radio breaks through again, and you hear the voice of the dispatcher begin to say, he says, Captain, repeat after me. Our Father, who art thou in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He was going to hit the ground. You see, a lot of people pray only when they're going to hit the ground. God wants to change that in this house. I said, God wants to change that in this house. God wants to change you. God wants to change me concerning prayer. God doesn't want us only praying when we know we're 300 foot away from any landing strip. When we know we're descending rapidly. When we know our engines are misfiring. We're going down. Then you shout out, what do I do? Don't be surprised if what you hear on the other side is, close your eyes and repeat after me. It's too late. You're going to hit the ground. You see, prayer is such an untapped source, such an untapped and unused vehicle that we have from God. Yet, so many believers live their lives out that way. Paul was a man who understood prayer. Prayer was a part, a great part of Paul's life. He never took it for granted. And just like Paul never took it for granted, we should never take it for granted. Let me just say this to you, not in a judgmental voice, but just as a matter of fact, if you don't pray, you can't be a good Christian. Let me repeat that. Some of you were closing up a text. I said, if you don't pray, you cannot be a good Christian. Because everything we know about Christianity we learn through prayer. Every conviction in our hearts concerning Christianity comes to us through the vehicle of prayer. Speaking to the Father. Letting Him wash us on a daily basis in conversation. Prayer is that pipeline of communication between God and His people between God and those who love him. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 2, yes. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, he writes. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray, he says again, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But you see, the initial challenge, the initial admonition from this man is to begin with what? Prayer. Jesus lived a life of prayer. Jesus said, I do nothing out of myself. I don't do a thing by myself. He said, the Father never leaves me because I always do what he tells me. Look in your Bible. You should read that. The Father never leaves me because I always do what he tells me, what he speaks to me. Some of us have in our minds that we've mastered life so well that we can maneuver ourselves on a daily basis and do all these things, and we just use it as a, a common and flippant conversation. Well, I prayed about this, and you never even talk to God about what you're talking about, yet you're so good and you've mastered what you think is life. does anybody pray anymore Jesus was all about prayer so many times in scripture we find him finding a place to pray he never leaves me because I always do what he says if we turn that just around could it be that God might leave us if we don't hear what he says? Could it be that God might walk away from us if we don't do what he tells us? Like Christ said, he never leaves me because I always do what he says. Could we just kind of look at the opposite polarity of that and maybe say, well, God will leave me because I, I don't even hear what he tells me to do. Prayer, does anybody pray anymore? I'm wondering how many times God just does this when we hear, He hears Christians talk about prayer. Oh, we've been praying about, oh yeah, yeah prayer, 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 prayer prayer. And God's going like, "What are you talking about? He wants to change that here. And not only here, but he wants to change it everywhere. But he's brought this message for us because I believe he cares about us here. Does anybody pray anymore? Paul knew about prayer. And in this very passage, I always give you principles. I'm very systematic in my teaching to you because I have found that many of you remember well when you write notes down. So you need to write these things down as I give you this simple Principles of prayer according to Paul. Is that okay? Some of you still look through your notes. You tell me, oh yeah, during lunchtime, I pull out my notebook from church and I go through last month's sermon or this week's or whatever just to remember the principles. And please do that. You don't bother me if you're looking down as long as you're not planning dinner or texting your friends. The first thing that Paul teaches in Colossians chapter 4 is this. A Christian must learn to pray with persistence. Persistence. Persistence is synonymous to persevering, tenacity, determination, and devotion. And so he says, devote yourselves to prayer. The New American Standard translates this verse by saying... Continue earnestly in prayer. Pray always. Always pray without ceasing. You may remember that. Be steadfast in prayer. It carries the very thick idea of serious dedication, a very powerful word. It's imperative that you pray on a daily basis. And that you're constant in prayer. Oh, you don't have to bend your knees. But, well, pastor, I work for 10 hours a day. You can still pray during your work. Hey, pastor, well, I, uh, I, I, I am at school. You can still pray. See, that's not about necessarily bending your knee in, in class and in college or bending your knee at work while you were working on an assembly line or, or, or this or the other, but, but to pray your spirit always speaking to the Father. Because that's where you hear direction for the day. That's where you hear his word of refuge for us to help us direction. Even if it's correction, you hear it through prayer. It's not a simple recommendation. Jesus never said, well, I hope you'll try to pray. Whenever you have a chance, be sure to pray. Try to encourage yourself to pray. No, he says, you pray. You pray. It's an instruction. Every parable, every example Christ ever gave concerning prayer always had the implication of being persistent and not giving up. Luke 18 and 1, now he was telling them a parable to show them that all, at all times, at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Luke 11 and 9 is where we find the promise that says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Each of those verbs there are present tense. It's about doing it in the now. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Jesus doesn't want us to give up in prayer. He instructs us to be persistent in prayer. You see, there's a difference between being persistent in prayer and simply being a long individual, a, pair that, a, a person that prays just long. God's not impressed by someone who can heavily, Father, we just thank you. Forty-five minutes. Um, wow, it's another day. Um. He's not counting the hours. He's looking at your heart and your full premeditated intention to speak to him, even if it is 10 hours. I'm not saying it's not. But as I said before, a lot of people confuse with praying long, long, long hours with even praying at all. Someone who is persistent in prayer doesn't necessarily have to pray for a long time. Persistence simply means not giving up. Even if you pray for 10 minutes all day, but you're persistent in prayer. Prayer. Devote yourself, Paul says. Devote yourself. Being devoted means that you have to ignore a lot of things that are going on in your life. Sometimes it's feelings. Sometimes it's simply laziness. Sometimes it means I'm too busy. All these things you have to fight in order to be persistent in prayer. How many of us work at least eight hours a day? Do you stop praying during that time? Can you really continue to live your life in Christ without praying for eight hours in your day? I mean, everybody runs home to dinner. Everybody takes time off at lunch. Everybody wakes up in the morning and has breakfast. Because you need that nutrition. And that is the implication of this word, persistence. Know that you need it. Know that it's the air in your lungs that without that air you will cease to exist. The devil will always do everything and anything he can to get in the way of your prayer life. Did you hear what I said? The devil will always do everything he can to rob you of your prayer life. George Mueller In one of his books, as he spoke about prayer, wrote this. It's a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer. With feelings of us lacking to feel the enjoyment of it anymore. But how many know that we are not to live our lives on feelings? It's not about, well, I feel like it. No, 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 you need to. Do you ever feel like breathing? No, you need it, don't you? So whether you are mad or angry, you still go... If you're happy... If you're in a hospital... Or you're hiking and having a good time on vacation... You breathe all the time regardless of what you're feeling in your body. What you're going through at that moment, it's it's not about feelings. You breathe because you need to live. You see, prayer is the same thing. You see, this is what he's saying. This is what he means. Satan always is doing everything he can to stop us from reading the Word and losing our enjoyment of prayer. Prayer. People who stop enjoying reading the Word will stop reading the Word. People who stop feeling the joy of prayer will stop praying. When we have no spirit of prayer, if you will. And the truth is that in order to enjoy the Word, you've got to get into the Word. In order to learn to enjoy prayer, you've got to learn to begin to pray. But He'll do everything to stop you from it. Because he knows that the less you read God's word, the less you will miss it. And he knows that the more time you take away doing something else and not give your time to prayer, the less time you'll ever have to bend the knee, close your eyes, or utter a word to heaven. If he knows that your handle is that every time you get upset, you'll stop praying, you'll stop going to church, you stop reading the word, then trust me, you're going to have trouble all the day long. I read this somewhere the other day or I heard somebody say this. He said, you have to get to the point in your life where you don't care, you don't wait for things to stop being bad before you decide to be happy. Did you hear that? I had to read it twice too. You have to get to the point in life where you cannot wait for things to be good in your life to decide in your heart to be happy. People always wait for things to be happy in their lives in order for them to be happy. And what the implication of this person was, simply listen, life is bad. And regardless how bad life may be, you have to decide to be happy in your heart. And so can I take that and borrow that from that individual and say to you, if you have to wait for things to be good, to really be happy about praying, You're going to be sad a lot, trust me, because the devil will get a handle on your cup. And so if I could use that same phrase and montage, whatever it is that they use, or whatever you want to call it, you cannot wait for things to be good before you learn how to love to pray. You must learn how to pray during the good times and the bad times. You must learn to separate your emotions and your feelings and what you see with your eyes. After all, we are a spiritual people, not a physical people. Remember, we walk by. That's right. So we can't wait for things to be good before we enjoy prayer. We need to start enjoying prayer in spite of the hurricane around us. Come on, somebody say amen. We need to be persistent. We need. The second thing he teaches us is that we need to learn to pray with passion. To have passion in our hearts. That is, when you pray, regardless of how good or how bad your life may be, when you bend your knee, you close your eyes, or even with your eyes open, you begin to utter your heart to God. Make sure your heart is involved in the things you say. Devote yourself to prayer, he said. Being watchful, but then he says thankful. That's an attitude. That's the position we should be in when we decide to open our mouths and speak to God. To always be thankful, to be passionate about what we're speaking to him about. To know that it's your enjoyment, it's to your benefit, it's to your love that you decide to open your mouth and speak to God. To put your heart into that conversation and speak in truth to Him. Prayer, ladies and gentlemen, must be met and must be premeditated and intentional to get God's attention. To know that you're not speaking to some run-of-the-mill individual in your life. Or you're not speaking to somebody whom you know has whatever unattached to you. But you're speaking to your Savior. I know it doesn't sound like divine revelation to many of us here. But can you imagine? can I borrow your imagination just for a moment... Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think of Jesus. I'm just, I'm not thinking about that picture that grandma has on her wall. I'm not thinking about the Jesus you may have around your neck on that cross. I'm not thinking about what would Jesus do bracelet on your wrist I want you to think of Jesus, your Savior, the one who gave his life for you. The one who on a constant basis intentionally chases you throughout the day just to get your attention. I want you to think of the one who gave his life to save you, to forgive your sins, fill you with his spirit, and give you a promise to take you to heaven. I want you to think about him. How would you begin your conversation with him? Think about that for a moment. How would you open your mouth to speak to someone like Jesus? I believe that like me, you would think twice before you open your mouth. And you would do everything you can. You can open your eyes. I don't want you to go to sleep on me. I saw some of you going like, I know you just gave yourself up. I know who doesn't pray here anymore. It's time you close your eyes. But when you think about your Savior, you're conversing with him. Some of you may be dead asleep at work, but when the boss calls you to the office, Yes, yeah, sir. No, sir. Why? Because your life depends on it. Give yeah. What's that? Huh? How's the assembly line going? Huh? No, you're... Yes, sir. No, oh, sir. What are you going to say to him? Well, sir, some of us go to Jesus. Hey, if you remember, I need a raise. If you remember, uh, I need a... Oh, Lord, sorry, sorry. Be passionate about prayer. And the way that the heat of passion raises and goes up is by knowing who it is you're talking to. Knowing who it is you are addressing. Knowing who it is that is lending you an ear. Knowing who it is that is going to decipher what is coming out of your mouth and how much sense you're making. How intentional you are to take his time and speak to him and save something of value. Passion. Does anybody pray anymore? Jesus was a man of passion in prayer. That's so much that when he did things and he prayed, things happened. Wherever he moved, prayer moved things around him. Because of his prayer life, Wherever he walked, God made sure he knew where he was. And whatever was in the way, God would move out of the way. God would even respond to this man of prayer. The Bible says that when he went to be baptized by John, the Lord was looking. And so well acquainted he was with his son, that when he walked into those waters, the heavens were opened. (laughs) He prayed that when he was going to give direction to his disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer, passionate in prayer, because he did not want to misguide those that were following him. When he was in prayer... God couldn't steal away. Neither could the grand patriots. Those patriarchs. Like Elijah. When he prayed, the Bible said that when the men looked upon him, there were these other guys with him. God was there. You see, when you pray, God shows up. If he knows you're intentional in your prayer. You gather a crowd of celestial beings when you pray. Do you ever think that prayer was that important, ladies and gentlemen? He was passionate in prayer and so should we. Because he always knew who he was talking to. My question to you as you pray, do you know who you're talking to? Pray with thankfulness. I'm going to move faster. It's getting late. You know, we've coined a saying here at Rock of Ages. I, I began to tell you this many years ago. And now you know it verbatim. Many of you do anyway. But we've always said that attitude determines. Somebody remembers that? Attitude determines. Okay, now the whole church, repeat it so you can learn it. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude determines altitude. And so we have here the attitude of thankfulness. So is the condition of your heart, so will be the height of your prayers. In that church, in that Pentecostal little church with that pastor... Over those years, and it may could have been a hundred, I don't know. But enough for him, for the contractor to say there was a blanket this thick on top of the ceiling of the church where it was nothing but prayer that never got through that plywood, only leads us to think that there were a lot of people in that church that simply uttered words that weren't really prayer. And the attitudes of their hearts were never right. Attitude is important to God. Attitude is so important for prayer. The Bible tells us that we always ought to know how we live. In Ephesians chapter 5, you'll find that passage. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Knowing the condition of your person. Knowing what is inside your heart. If you read a little lower on that same chapter, in verse 20 it says, Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always finding that when you address God, you have to enter into His gates with... And that's in the Bible somewhere, isn't it? I shall enter into the gates. There is no key for unthankfulness. The key to entering into his gates is the key of thankfulness. Praying with thankfulness. You see, when you bend your knee to pray, you've got The attitude of persistence in your heart. I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna pray until I can pray. I don't care how many problems I'm going through, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna get this attitude in my heart. I'm I'm gonna be thankful. I'm gonna realize who it is I'm talking to. I'm gonna be thankful. And I'm going to speak and converse with my Savior. That kind of relationship with God is only gonna happen for us, ladies and gentlemen as we walk under the influence of His Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us concerning attitude in Philippians chapter 4 and 6, he says, Do not be anxious for nothing, but in everything we should pray and give thanks as we make our petitions known to God. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to give thanks all times. Colossians 3.7 says to us that we should always be giving thanks to Him. 1 Timothy chapter 4 tells us that the things we receive in our lives through prayer are received through the vehicle of prayer, but a prayer that is offered in thanksgiving and gratitude. Does anybody pray anymore? One of the most beautiful passages in scripture, you should write this down and read it often, Psalms 91 and 14 is one of my favorite verses. And it's all about attitude and the position of your heart. At least to me it is. What does it say? Look at the big screen if we have it up there. Psalms 91 and 14 says, because he loves me. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him. He will call, pray upon me, to me. And I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. But where does it begin? What is the foundation Because, because He loves me. A prayer without being bathed in love will mean nothing to God. And it will gain you and afford you nothing. It will go and join the libraries of prayers in that old Pentecostal building. Let me close tonight. I know it's this morning. With this last thing, I'll tell you about prayer. We are taught in Scripture that those who refresh others will himself be refreshed. The Lord has always been teaching us about being giving to others. Being hospitable to others. Loving one another. In this, thou shall know that you are my disciples. Yes? The Bible says that when someone hates their brother, he is guilty of murder. That's an ugly word. I didn't say that. Blame Jesus. Said those that hate their brothers are guilty of murder. There's a scripture in the books of the prophets that says, though you offer many prayers, I will not hear them for your hands are full of blood. Yes? Yes? And so we are taught in Scripture basically, again, the implication is always listen. If you want to be heard in heaven, you must have a, relation here, a relationship here on earth. You should love those I've saved, you should love one another. And here in prayer, we see this principle applied when he says, Make intercession for us and pray for us, he says. Remember, he prays in that scripture we just read in opening. Pray that I may deliver this word faithfully. Pray that we don't fall by the wayside. Pray that all obstacles are moved. Pray for us. Pray for us that we might become effective. Pray for us. Pray with intercession. Pray for us that God may open the door for our message, that we may be able to proclaim the mystery of Christ. For which I am chained. Intercessory prayer is basically praying for others. And it's praying that God would have his way with others. And bless them. And prosper them. And use them. And love them. Make intercession for us. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, as I begin to close this morning, I won't make so much out of this last point. I think you understand. I think that when we don't pray for each other, we're committing thievery. We are stealing from each other. You may not understand that on the surface, but I know what I mean in my heart. Let me see if I can explain Maybe I can explain to you this way. A worker of my dad used to say, Let me explain you. We may have some English teachers here, forgive me. But that's the way he spoke to us. Hey, let me explain you. Let me explain to you, clarify to you. I need you to pray for me. I need your prayers. I need you to remember me on a daily basis to pray for me. From when I lay my head, when I raise my head, I need someone pray for me. I can't survive without your prayers. Some of you, I don't have to explain what I've been through for the past six years. I need your prayers. As I stand here today, so many of you say, Pastor, you look so strong. I'm dying from my hips right now. (laughs) I need your prayers. This is what Paul is saying. Intercede for us. And when I say you're thieving others, it's because you're robbing them of your prayers. I pray for you. Every evening and every morning, I remember every one of you. I may not know you all by name. As a father, that congregation that was there from the youngest to the oldest, Father, watch over them. Bless them, Father, protect them in these evil days. Prosper them, meet their needs. Stir their hearts to love you. Bless their husbands, bless their wives, bless their children, bless their finances, bless them physically, Lord, bless them. I make deposits for you every day. And so Paul says, I need you to deposit something on my behalf. You see the importance of prayer? You see what it means to pray, to learn how to pray? You see, it's a matter of existence, it's a matter of survival. Do you not see how crucial it is? Why Jesus spoke mostly of prayer. He didn't talk so much about miracles. He just did those and moved on. But he took time to teach on prayer. Didn't take time to say, well, listen, let me tell you. That cripple, let me tell you how that goes. Or that blind man, let me tell you. See, what happens? No. He sat down and he taught them to pray without ceasing. He said, pray and pray until you can pray. And when you're done, pray, pray again. I need you to pray for me. And you need to pray for each other. Some of you have never prayed for others. Not with passion. Not with persistence. Not with full consciousness. You are robbing us all. You're robbing us all of your prayers. I hope and pray this morning that you see why God has given me this message. Because prayer is important. Prayer is the foundation on which we stand and will survive. You can never say, I know Jesus, unless you've learned how to pray. You'll never be able to say, I've heard from the Lord, unless you've learned how to pray. You'll never be able to confess, well, God said this to me, unless you've learned how to pray. Well, let me tell you what I believe God would have you do, brother. Be quiet. You'll be misguiding somebody unless you've learned to pray. If Jesus was going to instruct, he first knelt his knees to pray. If he was going to say this is what the Father would have us to do, he would make sure he heard from the Father. And so I close this morning. And I ask you this one last time. And don't you answer me. Not a single amen. You answer in your heart and know that in your heart, God has heard that voice and that answer. Does anyone pray in